Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. We preview the most important game of the season. Until the next most important game of the season, there is a lot riding on this meeting against the Seahawks. It's the second time in 22 days the Cardinals and Seahawks play, and a split in the season series is definitely needed. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 611, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Everyone loves a good redemption story. And, Paul, we had one Thursday nights on the Big Red Rage. Geno Smith? No, G- not, no? Not, no. Although that is, you no? know what? That is, a, that is an excellent redemption story. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, it's, it's the opponent. But, no, the fact that you were able to redeem yourself oh, interviewing no. Rondell Moore oh, and no. coming clean because oh, he was the postgame guest in yeah. Minnesota. You failed yeah. to ask him about his touchdown catch and run, yet you did on the Big Red Rage. I thought it was a fantastic interview. If you have not listened to it, by all means, go and download the interview, the uh, Arizona Cardinals podcast. But, hey, perhaps you let it off. On Thursday night, now perhaps on Sunday afternoon at State Farm Stadium, the Cardinals can redeem themselves for the performances this season yeah. and the effort they put forth in Seattle. You got to self scout. You got to self scout. You got to make the adjustments. You got to make the improvements. You got to be honest with yourself. And uh, I went back to the tape. Actually, I didn't need the tape. Actually, I knew it right away. As the it was one of those uh, failing as it happens, and uh, I knew as we were going along. Craig, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances oh, yes. after the game. I'm getting in the locker room late, and the equipment didn't boot up right away, and I turn around, and boom, I didn't know who my interviewee was going to be, and it was Rondell Moore, and then I just cratered. And so, yes, I was glad to have a second chance at some extra questions on the Big Red Rage, and he was excellent, uh, unlike yours truly right after the Minnesota loss. Well, like all good athletes slash hosts, you know right away that, <laughs> right. that you just didn't yeah. quite live up to your yeah. potential. And I think, yeah. I think for a lot – of fans, Paul, that's what the 2022 regular season has been for the Arizona Cardinals, not living up to your potential. You're 3 and 5, two games under 500, 0 and 2 within the division, and now you've got the Seahawks coming into town. This first of 3 in a row within the division. It has not looked good, but if you can be good over the next 3 weeks, hey, all of a sudden you put yourself not only in position within the division, but the entire NFC. Hey, the good news is, and there is good news, that you're only two back with nine to play. There is plenty of football, enough football left where you can make a move, where you can be that team that, oh, I don't know, like the Cincinnati Bengals who really turned it on the second half of last season all the way to the Super Bowl. So the opportunity is there. And there's no doubt, I think, if you want to psychoanalyze this team a little bit, and I'm getting on dangerous ground here, but I'll just give you my opinion. Thanks for asking. I think this team eased its way into the season because of the way the last two seasons ended. They said, what did we get for being 7-0, 10-2? Nothing. We want to play our best ball at the end of the season. Well, guess what? The time is now, both because it's November and because you are 3-5, and five, and you're two games behind the division leader, and you have three straight games against division foes, this basically amounts to the midterm. 
anybody who's been in a college class and you might have got off to a bit of a slow start in a class, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to redeem myself with the midterm. Here it is, three straight division games. And guess what? If you fail this stretch, you probably need to drop the class at this point. Cliff Kingsbury on Friday, quote, the time is now to get it done. End quote. So let's discuss what needs to get done on Sunday. Cardinals and Seahawks. It is week nine. 205 is the kickoff. 930 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Second meeting between these two teams in 22 days. It was week six. Cardinals lose in Seattle 19 to nine. So now you have the rematch and an opportunity for the Cardinals to split the season series. You don't want to get swept. You never want to get swept against the division opponent, but certainly a team that right now, Paul, they are the only team within the NFC West with a winning record. The Seahawks at 5-3. and three. They've won three in a row, starting with that win over the Cardinals in Week 6. Where do you want to go? Offense with the Seahawks or defense with the Seahawks? Because it's it's amazing what the expectations were for this team heading into the season, even when the season began, and what they've done now since that meeting against the Cardinals. Let's talk about the Seahawks' defense, both because I think the bigger problem for the Cardinals is on offense, and it definitely was a problem in Seattle where you had zero touchdowns. The only touchdown scored was on the block punt, and Chris Banjo was on the receiving end. Zeke Turner was the guy who got in there, and he had everything go awry in the end zone. But it was less than impressive. And, you know, you went in against a Seattle defense that entering the game was last in total D. They were last in rushing D. They were 31st in scoring defense. They had allowed 235 yards rushing the week before against New Orleans. It was bad. But ever since the Cardinals game, it has been good for Seattle. You talked to some of the folks on that side, and I did a hit on Seattle radio this past week, and they said a big difference is the approach of the defensive line. Not only are they going a lot more five-man fronts, but instead of two-gapping, they're attacking, meaning instead of standing up the offensive lineman and trying to play the left or right of the offensive lineman both gaps, they're just going after it. They're attacking. They're doing what the rest of the NFL is doing to a large degree. The two high safety, soft shell. They have the corners who can really match up. Tariq Woolen, the round five, six foot four kid who runs a four two six. He has been phenomenal. He's the guy who had the interception against Hollywood Brown at the end of the week six matchup. Ball that really never should have been thrown. Let's be honest. He was step for step, hip for hip with Hollywood Brown, who is a burner. So it shows you the athleticism and the elite speed by Tariq Woolen. Difference is he'll be going against DeAndre Hopkins to a large degree. He's going to be on the right side of the defense, left side of the offense. So based on the Minnesota game, there's going to be a lot of matchups against DeAndre Hopkins. But for the Cardinals, Craig, just to bottom line it to me, you've got to be able to run the ball, something you couldn't do in Minnesota. Total yards were almost even, but you got outrushed by almost 100 yards. You could not establish a ground game. Kyler Murray was your leading rusher. And against a five-man front, which is what the Cardinals are seeing mostly these days. They're seeing three interior D linemen, two edge guys. The edge guys crash a lot to keep Kyler from pulling in and running it. you got to figure out an answer to that defensive approach because until you beat it, you're going to see it. Cardinals ran for a season-best 144 yards in that first meeting. Kyler Murray accounted for 100 of those yards, so that needs to change, and perhaps it does with the return, hopefully, of James Conner. Officially listed as questionable, he'll be a game-day decision dealing with those rib injuries. But if you can get a James Conner and an Eno Benjamin, maybe even a Keontae Ingram, if you can get more balance within that rushing attack, be balanced overall, 
I like where this Cardinals offense is, especially with DeAndre Hopkins perhaps being the X factor. He missed that first meeting. Now he's on the field on Sunday. And you're hoping you have DJ Humphreys back as your franchise left tackle. Uh, this means nothing, but he seemed to be in a much better mood this Friday than he was the Friday before. Joking. So, yes. yes. Smiling. Yep. And so, you know, actually bending over, putting on his shoes. So if that's a lower back injury, hopefully that's a good indicator. Uh, Cardinals are open. DJ Humphreys is back. Now, look, Josh Jones, he battled, but he's not DJ Humphreys. Besides, you are, you're already on your third center in Billy Price. You're on your third left guard in Cody Ford. Billy Price had a good debut. Not nearly the same caliber of play in that Minnesota game. Okay, but see, Minnesota has a stout defensive front. Dalvin Tomlinson inside. He has Zadarius Smith, who had three sacks in the game. Daniil Hunter, one of the more underrated guys. And now you're going against some no-name guys in that Seattle front, but Al Woods is a dude, and he missed the first matchup. So 99, keep your eye on him, that Seattle defensive tackle. Shelby Harris talking to a few offensive linemen. They're like, that guy's a stud. That's quote-unquote. A number of offensive linemen called him that guy. And so that combined with the ability of Jordan Brooks, their linebacker who always balls out against the Cardinals because he played for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Keep your eye on him. He had a 20-tackle game in the season finale last year at home when the Cardinals lost in Week 18. So you have to go out and you have to be able to dictate to the defense. And too often lately, especially in the losses, it's been quite the opposite. What we've heard all week long is this team needs to be balanced on offense. And overall, I I found this interesting, next-gen stats. And I'm going to use this maybe a little bit, a couple of different times here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I understand, Bird Gang, yeah, hashtag no math. That's that's a Calvisi thing. That's not a Grealu thing. So so just, you know. Just make it good. All right. Just make it good. How about this? Because we want to see this team be a little bit more balanced, a lot more balanced, but rely on the run game not including Kyler Murray this year teams overall the highest average rushing yards per attempt since 1970 teams are having more success running the football this season than a long time and averaging 240.7 yards per game since or through week eight which is the most since 87 Cardinals aren't up there but outside of last week against the Vikings they have been consistently getting over that 100-yard mark per game. Okay, so I'm going to take a guess as to the why, the cause and effect here. If teams are going to play these soft-shell coverages with two high safeties, they're going to pull that safety out of the box and put them out there in center field, then guess what? Teams are looking at seven guys in the box and deciding to run it, run it with more frequency, try and run it more physically, and I do believe that is the answer for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, if they have James Conner back, okay, let's go. It increases the physicality in time, anytime number six is out there, your Pro Bowl running back from a year ago. And I think that's imperative against the Seahawks team that comes to Arizona and they feel like it's an extra home game. They've won seven of their last nine. Seven, one, and one yep. in the last nine games in the AZ. They come down, and I tell you, being on that sideline for every one of those, it's nauseating. They they make sure to come over and they end their pregame warm-up near the Cardinals sideline and they're bouncing up and down and they're screaming stuff like this is our house. As much as the Cardinals have dominated in Seattle, with the exception of this year over the past decade, Seattle has done it every bit as much against the Cardinals on their home field. Combined with the fact that you haven't scored a touchdown in the first quarter all year, I think confidence is a factor as well. You come out, you set a tone physically, one. And then 1B, 
is to go and get on the board, get a touchdown drive under your belt to begin the game. And I think it just bolsters belief from everyone. As much as D-Hop could be the X factor being that he was not a part of that first meeting, I'll give you another one that was not on the field in that first meeting. Robbie Anderson. Mm. Because you listened to head coach Cliff Kingsbury, whether it was early in the week or late in the week, specifically on Friday, specifically asked how much more can we see Anderson on the field. And I got the sense, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, and I know you will, as I blatantly steal <laughs> your line here on Cardinals no. Cover 2. No doubt I will. Anderson, I think they will force him to be on the football field and Kingsbury even brought mentioned growing pains. Even if there are growing pains, whether he knows the offense or there are mistakes made, but I think Cliff is a little bit tired of the ramp-up process. We acquired yep. him for a reason. Let's put him out there more than the seven snaps he got in Minnesota, and A.J. Green played more than 30. I can see that certainly switched, flopped, meaning Anderson is out on that field for a yeah. good 30, 35 snaps. I totally agree. You know what? If it takes huddling up more, and every time you call play, you then have to explain the assignment to Robbie Anderson, so be it. Once upon a time, Kenyon Drake a few years ago showed up on a Monday and he played on a Thursday night. Yep. And every time they called a play, now he had the benefit of being right next to Kyler Murray in the gun. And Kyler could just turn and tell him exactly what his assignment was, snap after snap after snap. If somebody has to do that with Robbie Anderson, so be it. Because you need his size, you need his speed. There's a reason that when they lost Hollywood Brown, they immediately enacted the trade for Robbie Anderson because what we're seeing right now with DeAndre Hopkins is different than what we saw last year. He's inside a lot more, a lot more. He's in a lot different spots more frequently. It is a self-scouting the Cardinals did in the offseason and said, you know what, sending D-Hop to the left side and sending him outside 90-plus percent of the time is too predictable. Let's get him in different areas. He met the media this week, DeAndre Hopkins. That was the one question I asked him was about how he's already been in more spots in two games than he was all of last year. And he complimented Cliff Kingsbury for getting him in different starting positions. Getting It's a little easier for him to get some separation and some space that way. But if you have that outside speed guy who can really loosen up a secondary, especially an athletic secondary like the Seahawks, I'm with you. I think they force 81 Robbie Anderson. You're out there, and guess what? If they're going to go a lot of zone, which they do, just find the space in the zone. You know, and or air on the side of, of a deep shot. And we've already seen him get behind the secondary a couple of times, and Kylo just hasn't been able to put it on the money. Woolen is a very good cornerback, the defensive rookie of the month for October. His four interceptions are tied for the most in the league. They have another rookie cornerback in Kobe Bryant who's done a very good job at forcing fumbles. In fact, he's got four. That leads the league. But now you've got two rookies, and as good as Woolen has played, I believe the passer rating when a quarterback's target him is just over 47, Wow, which is incredible. But okay, do you shy away from that because how well he's played, or Week eight, week nine, season is getting longer. Can you keep this up, especially against a D-hop or with Anderson on the other side, force the other rookie cornerback to make some plays? Because, yeah, they've played well, but I would rather get beat by a couple of the rookies who continue to play well as opposed to an Al Woods or someone, a Shelby Harris, that is an established yeah. defensive player. You know, it's not going to be the first time that DeAndre Hopkins has seen an elite corner. 
Now, it might be a little premature to use that word with Tariq Woolen, but DeAndre Hopkins brought him up on his own, unsolicited, when meeting the media. He's obviously been impressed with what he's seen on film. We asked Rondale Moore about Tariq Woolen on the Big Red Rage, and he nodded immediately. So he's a very he's a former receiver, so he has great ball skills. And it's one of the reasons he went under the radar in the draft. He had very little tape at corner, even though he has the size at 6'4". The, Gree, I can't tell you how many times over the last two decades as the sideline pencil neck, and you're like, okay, that's a Seattle corner. Anyone 6'2 and above who's playing corner, you're like, yeah, that's a Seahawks guy. They just have this propensity to find those guys. So Tariq Woolen is the latest, runs the 4-2-6. But DeAndre Hopkins and his ability to run particular routes and maybe use a guy's uh, zealousness or eagerness against him. And so if, if D-Hop can be in sync with Kyler – and because, you know, the amount of separation will probably be slim. But DeAndre Hopkins between a defender and the football, Diop's coming down with it with those mitts. You saw it on the one-handed grab. And, again, if you can make a statement early that we're going at Woolen and DeAndre Hopkins is having success against that guy, I think it might rattle the confidence of the Seattle defense. Because, remember, they've only been playing good ball for about the last three weeks. They were a disaster the first month of the season. Dead last in total yards allowed. 31st in points allowed wow. going into that first meeting. And, yeah, that first meeting against the for the Seahawks against the Cardinals really turned their season around defensively. Now the question is, if you're the Cardinals, can you flip it again, do another 180 to get that defense that was struggling early in the season? And I'm big on spreading the football around, but if this team just needs more number 10 as far as targets, I'm okay yep. with 10, 12, 14 targets because as we've seen in the two games that he's played, even if he's covered, he's making the catch or making sure that the defender doesn't get the ball. And Rondale Moore downfield, we saw those two big grabs, including the 38-yard touchdown catch and run. So he's obviously a problem for defenses if he can get some space, get some separation. So you know what's tough on the screens, especially to Rondale Morris? The Cardinals don't have the biggest receivers in the league. So when you're throwing it to the perimeter, you need the receivers to move a defender. And, you know, it's not like you have Larry Fitzgerald nope. at the end of his career. It's not even like everyone said, okay, the Cardinals played the Eagles, and the Eagles did a lot of that screen game to the perimeter and had a lot of success. Well, guess what? You got a guy like A.J. Brown blocking, a big body, a physical dude. Cardinals don't have that in the receiver room. So – to me, sometimes that's why those screens aren't as successful as some other teams. So, okay, what does that mean? Because they're going to see a five-man front again. The last team in recent memory that did not go with a five-man front against the Cardinals, my understanding would be New Orleans. And the Cardinals ran all over in the New Orleans Saints. So you're going to see the five-man front. You're going to see the ends crash because they don't want Kyler to pull it and get outside contain. Can you run it between the tackles? I think that is a Big question this week. And yes, they have Al Woods and they have Shelby Harris. But you know what? you got to be able to have an answer for those two guys. Find a crease. If you're sending James Conner, even Eno Benjamin, we've seen him run with that desperation Ron Wolfley talks about. Breaking tackles, spinning off guys, getting the extra yards after contact. So if they can do some of that between the tackles, not only is it effective and hopefully would set up the play-action game, but it sets a tone. And, and, and it lets them know, okay, this isn't going to be like last time in Seattle where the Cardinals offense struggled, started 4-5 or five on third down, and then went 0 oh, for the next 11, 4-16 on third down in that game. That obviously is a big question mark for the Cardinals. They're, they're definitely bottom five 
in third down conversion percentage, right? They are 27th yeah. overall, but it's over the last three weeks that they are converting less than 30% wow. on third down. And you want – this team is successful offensively when they stay ahead of the chains and don't get what a first and 10 to a first and 15 or a second and five becomes a second and 10. Then all of a sudden, a guy's shoulders seem to just drop whenever there's a penalty – on yep. the offense, and then they just can never – they can't consistently overcome those little mistakes. So this team, yeah, you need to be able to get a lead, which would be nice. I thought it was interesting that Kingsbury brought up how often this team has trailed this season. Wow. The number is 91% of the eight games this team has played from behind. And I'm sorry, I don't care what – team you are how much talent you have if you're consistently playing from behind you are going to lose more games than you win and that's what this team is right now at three and five when when coach Kingsbury busted out that 91 percent of the time we have trailed in games this season if I would have been sipping on a hot beverage I would have done a spit take right there among the media contingent in the press conference that was mind altering there's there's no doubt about it and and there's no doubt how damaging that is to the play caller it really shuts down a big part of your play sheet. You're one-dimensional. You're chasing the game. And so if the Cardinals can at least take a little bit of a lead, stay competitive, stay in the game, it keeps you in your game plan. It's so imperative. So for that reason, I think you come out. And, and look, you know, there's something, speaking of coaches and press conferences, Vance Joseph said something this week about how you have to evolve as a defense. You have to evolve in the NFL. The film is out. And... The football minds in this league are too bright. They will figure out a solution to what you're doing. So you have to be a moving target. You have to evolve yourself. And I wondered in a way if he didn't mean that in part about the Cardinals offense. Yeah, I might be reading a lot more into it than there was, and that's fine. I'll own that. But if we're sitting here in the trust tree, we've mentioned this in seasons past. Can you adjust to the adjustment? And that stat about the last three games, they've been under 30% on third down. It would speak to that because there had been a month of game film out, and then the last few games, defenses have adjusted accordingly. For example, the five-man fronts, which they're seeing consistently, and they will see the rest of the season until they beat it. You bring up Vance Joseph. Let's switch it up and talk about the Seattle offense and what the adjustment might be for a Seahawks team that is – been very, very good all season long on offense. I think one of the bigger surprises in 2022, and it begins with Geno Smith, but even Vance Joseph, you referenced him in, on Thursday. He's noticed an adjustment within that Seattle offense early on this season. A lot of big plays, a lot of chunk touchdowns, but more recently they're leaning on Kenneth Walker III, him running the football, and he's got over 100 yards each of the last three games, including that win over the Cardinals. Yeah, this is an example of what we were just talking about. The first month of the season, six weeks of the season, Seattle was all about the big play. They had, they had a game. In fact, it was the Saints game right before they played the Cardinals in week six where they had a 35 of 40 and a 50-yard touchdown pass from Geno Smith to either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. They were all about the deep strike. Not so much recently. Teams have adjusted accordingly, and they've decided to run the ball. More of the short passing game, Kenneth Walker, who is legit. Vance Joseph told everyone that right after the Cardinals' Week 6 game. That was the first game where he got full-time carries after the season-ending injury to Rashad Penny. 
you know, we had the stat going into that game in week six, and, and it's just so impressive that he led all D1 running backs a year ago at Michigan State in both yards after contact and missed tackles. Think about that, the combination of power yep. to get yards after contact, but the elusiveness to make guys miss in a short area. And we saw examples of both last time the Cardinals played in Seattle, and he's been doing it ever since. So you know what? Uh, that run game that they've leaned on, they have those two rookie tackles. They're getting more experience. They've seemed to shore up the interior line because over most of the last decade, that offensive line for Seattle has been a complete liability. That doesn't appear to be the case anymore. I think some of it has to do with the mentality on offense. They're really coming off the ball in a power run scheme, running downhill like Kenneth Walker did at Michigan State. It's a really good fit in that way is my understanding. And and it's one of the reasons I think the Seahawks were eager to get away from Russell Wilson. They wanted to go with this style of offense. Walker is averaging better than five yards a carry. He has five runs of 20 or more yards. Wow. Cardinals as a team, Paul, have four. Oh, and Walker is just a starter in week six. That was his first start of the season, yet already he leads all rookies in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. So not only is it stop the run, but it's making sure you shore up your tackling, which has been yeah. a bit of an issue at times this season. No question about it. In fact, it says right here, I'm going to match your stat with a stat, that he's number two in the NFL in averaging missed tackles, and he's doing it on limited carries if you take the whole season under consideration. Two games ago against the Chargers, he had a buck 67 and two touchdown runs. So you better be stout enough to meet him in the hole and or not to get run over out on the edge, and you better be a sure tackler. Now, the good news is the Cardinals have a pretty good tackling secondary. Everybody's willing to put a hat on a hat. But, you know, if if Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins aren't in position, that could be an issue because this is just a gut feel. But watching the Vikings game, Zayvon didn't have his best game. When Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are your two leading tacklers, guess what? That's a problem. And so Isaiah Simmons had the big play on the strip sack, and you thought it would be the game-changing play in the Cardinals' favor for a victory. didn't work out that way because they gave it back on the muff punt, and there were two interceptions as well, giving the Vikings short fields. But Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons have to be sound. They have to be consistent. The big plays happen, and, and that's great, but it's play-to-play -play where they can't be a liability because there's no doubt that when offensive coordinators do their game planning, they're targeting 25 and number 9 to test their football IQ. Some good news on that defense, though. Buda Baker should be able to go this week. He did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday with that ankle issue. Does not sound like Dennis Gardeck is going to be able to go, however, so you lose one piece on that defense and maybe one less rusher to get to Geno Smith. And I'll say this, the Cardinals because what, what, what Geno Smith has done this season has been phenomenal, but the Cardinals did hold him in check. Second fewest yards, his second lowest passer rating, second lowest completion percentage. They sacked him five times. So it wasn't Geno Smith that beat him, but I'll say this. I don't know what the answer is in defending Geno Smith to slow down that Seahawks offense because not only does Geno Smith do well when he's got time in the pocket, again, next-gen stats, when he has 2.5 seconds or more to throw, he has the number one passer rating. All right, so the answer wow. is pressure Geno Smith. Yeah, yeah not going to happen. Fourth best passer rating when you pressure Geno Smith. So if you're Vance Joseph, what do you do? Probably a combination of both. But again, Geno Smith and the MVP conversation, I never thought I would utter 
in 2022. I mean, we started this season, we said, okay, him and Saquon Barkley, one of those two is going to be the NFL comeback player of the year. It's now to the point of absurdity where he's a viable candidate for NFL MVP. He's behind Patrick Mahomes in passer rating and ahead of Josh Allen. He's number one in completion percentage. Geno Smith, he has been player of the week. The last time he was player of the week in the NFL, 2013. He hasn't been a full-time starter since 2014. It is a remarkable story. Uh, the Hard Knocks guys are going to be all over that sideline on Sunday. Uh, if I'm them, I do a sidebar on Geno Smith, right? Pete Carroll saying this week, and I quote, he's the real deal. There's no mystery. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he shows you throw after throw. I'd love to know to what degree he has shown the decision makers with the Seahawks because did they truly know what they had in Geno Smith before this season began? I, I don't believe it. And here's the other thing is Shane Waldron is their offensive coordinator. That scares me because he comes from the Sean McVay tree. Just like Kevin O'Connell scared me because he came from the Sean McVay tree for whatever reason. That Sean McVay offense is like kryptonite to the Cardinals' defense. It just throws them for a loop, whether it's the eye candy, it's the motions, it's the different personnel packages. It looks like a play we just ran, but it's something totally different this time around. The Cardinals struggle at times against these Rams offensive schemes and derivations thereof. And so with that in mind, once again, I get back to it. You have to be a sound defense. And I truly believe it starts with Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. For the most part in that first meeting, the Cardinals defense did do a solid job across the board. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf held to a combined four catches for 51 yards. But I'll go back to the one scoring drive. Cardinals, after that fumble recovery in the end zone, Chris Banjo, you pulled to within three points. It was 12-9. to The ensuing drive. The Seahawks went seven plays, 75 yards, and Kenneth Walker, an 11-yard touchdown run. And that was the game-deciding play, or the game-deciding drive and play. That... The, the one thing about this defense, as well as they've played, there have been instances where they just haven't been able to get off the field. Now, more times than not, I'm going to lean and point to the offense not holding up their end, but the defense, again, crucial stops, game-changing plays. We've seen it at times, i.e. the Saints game, but are we seeing them enough when it matters the most? Now, they did have five sacks of Geno Smith in that game. That was Zayvon Collins, his first two sacks of his career, and he had nine tackles. He had two tackles for loss, a couple of quarterback hits, and a pass defense. So that was a really good game from Zayvon Collins. Hence, the Seahawks were kept way below their season scoring average. So they're capable of doing it against this Rams sort of offense, which you know is to a much lesser degree than the Vikings do. Let's just make that clear. Uh, and you also got sacks from Marcus Golden and Cam Thomas and my Jay Sanders. That's what it's going to take. Different guys at different times getting pressure on the pocket. That, that's really the only answer because Geno Smith has been very accurate. Number one in completion percentage. If you look a lot of those deep shots, he's thrown in a double coverage, putting the ball right on the money. It's not Even though they have elite receivers in a Tyler Lockett and a DK Metcalf, and by the way, I list them in that order. It's like a couple of years ago. D.K. Metcalf was ranked in the NFL top 100 as like player number 22. I'm like, how can he be the 22nd best player in the NFL? He's not even the best receiver on his team. I'd take Tyler Lockett. I think he's just excellent in so many different ways. So with that in mind, okay, if you can get to Geno Smith and then play the run on the way to the quarterback, that would be an ideal scenario for the Cardinals here in Week 9. By the way, a couple of weeks ago, D.K. Metcalf was carted off the field 
with a knee injury. And at that time, you look, go, okay, well, hey, the Cardinals are going to catch a break. No DK Metcalf in that game. Well, not only did Metcalf, well, he's going to play this week, but he played last week. <laughs> he had six catches yeah. for 55 yards and a touchdown against the Giants. And again, this was one week after he was carted off the field. But Smith or uh, Metcalf telling reporters this week, quote, my knee's good. And I think he no. proved that against the Giants. So you are not getting a banged up DK Metcalf. He is a physical freak. Although, to your point about being more concerned about Tyler Lockett, Cardinals have never allowed DK Metcalf to have more than 60 receiving yards in any game mm. Metcalf has played against the Cardinals. Yeah, and Lockett has had some huge oh, games yeah. against the Cardinals. Although the last game was not one of them combined. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at four catches for 51 yards on a dozen targets. Think about that. Can the Cardinals come even close to replicating that? you got to figure DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be ultra-motivated, as if they're not motivated enough on a week-to-week basis. But how many times have they been reminded by the media this week that you guys combined for four catches on 12 targets? Hashtag non-factors. So, okay, here it comes. Hurricane DK and Tyler, and what can you do as a Cardinals secondary? Now, to me, Byron Murphy in practice this week looked a little more spry and dealing with a couple of ailments. He's maybe ill in a little bit, looked good in practice, so I think he's up for it. Marco Wilson obviously playing good ball. Antonio Hamilton has been coming along. Trayvon Mullen, did he get many snaps on defense at Minnesota? He's in on special teams, and he's dressing, but you know, I don't know if he's someone that you're thinking about bringing in, especially Buda Baker, and how close to 100% is Buda Baker? You hope he plays because uh, the few instances of Buda Baker not on the Cardinals' defense in recent history have not been good. The Cardinals' defense without Buda Baker, you don't want to see that. You really don't. But either way, I I wonder if a Trayvon Mullen might factor in a little bit more because they also use Isaiah Simmons, obviously, in the slot quite a bit. Mullen played a little bit last week against the Vikings, but more so on special teams. He hasn't seen a lot of defensive time. Yes, he's been hurt, but you acquired him for a reason, but maybe, again, more of a luxury because right now he's your fourth corner. He's sort of the defensive equivalent of Robbie Anderson, right? Size, speed, tons of athleticism. I think he's got to earn the trust of the coaches before they put him out there. They have to trust that there won't be a blown assignment that results in a big play or worse. So we'll see. Uh, but the Cardinals secondary is far from their biggest issue right now. I, I think everyone has a lot of confidence in how the Cardinals are going to match up, even with two of the best receivers in the game. I'd like to see the edge and that edge rush be a little bit more stout. You brought up what Marcus Golden, what uh, Zayvon Collins was able to do as far as getting to Geno Smith, but on a more consistent basis because, let's be honest, it's been more J.J. Watt, Zach Allen as far as getting that pressure aside from what we've seen in spots from a Marcus Golden. And, you, and to start the game, especially in the first half, you saw Zayvon, College, Zayvon Collins on the edge a lot. Yes. And I think one of the halftime adjustments was they got him off the edge because they were losing contain at times. And he had a few, few blown assignments, and that's by his own admission what he told the media. It's a new position for a Zayvon Collins. But I think out of necessity, out of need, just because he does have the size and the speed, it's sort of like a Micah Parsons, that you can move him around theoretically, but he can't be a liability in assignment and alignment. And if you're losing contain, that's the quickest way to get beat in the run game. And that happened too often, especially in that first half. 
when the Vikings averaged eight yards a carry in that first half a week ago. Yeah, Dalvin Cook really had no issues running the ball, but again, he had 111 rushing yards, but I believe 80 of those were in like the first 14 minutes of the first half. So mm. once again, you're adjusting mid-game, but it comes down to how about not having to adjust and getting off to a better start on offense and a better start on defense because you are playing at home. And we know the issues at home. Have you corrected your home issues? The win Thursday night against the New Orleans Saints ended a year-long, near-year-long losing streak at State Farm Stadium. Can this team with the Seahawks, who travel very well, win a game at home within the division and kind of quiet a lot of the noise over the last several days? And this Seattle team is playing good ball in terms of the turnover ratio as well. They're plus three in the season. They have six straight games with multiple takeaways. It's an opportunistic Seattle defense. So if you just want to get back to the biggest deciding factor in any NFL game, the turnover ratio, Cardinals lost that in Minnesota, lost the game. A couple of interceptions, obviously a big muff punt. That was a big deal. And so, okay, you're not going to be able to count on Seattle giving you the football. That that has not been their MO. And guess what? This The recent play shows they're going to take it away at a big rate. So, I mean, since week six, they've allowed 15 points per game. That is tied for third in the NFL. There's a lot of different you know, challenges, obviously, for this Cardinals offense. And ball security is going to have to be one of them. They're number one in the NFL in forced fumbles as well. So it's the way they teach defense. They finally dialed it in. Uh, and, and they have some dudes at all three levels. Yeah, there's a lot of optimism in Seattle. Here's the caveat to me. You have to go to Germany after this week. Now they're flying back to Seattle, and I'm told they're leaving on Wednesday to go to Munich. Okay. I don't know. Does that loom over a team? Does that are they they have their mind on a 14-hour flight overseas, getting preparations ready to be away from their family? Maybe, just maybe, we'll bet they might be distracted. Uh, and by all the hoopla of an international game awaiting them and a team they've already beaten, maybe, just maybe, you can come out and smash them in the mouth to start the game. Who's more desperate? And the Cardinals, without question, yep. have to be the more desperate team. We know they are based off the matchups and what's on paper, but do they come out and play like a desperate team? And your analogy as far as easing into the season, stop easing into games and actually do something in the first 15 minutes. I mean, how many guys this week have cited urgency and just the time is now and we, you know, no more margin for error? You've heard it. That's great. Let's see it. I think everybody wants to see it. Instead of hearing about it, what what does that look like when you actually implement it? And so, okay. And and look, you know, as, as many times as guys have also used the word, uh, you know, you got to stay on schedule, can't get off schedule, whatever derivation thereof, there's a lot of truth to that as well. If there's one thing that I would cite about this year's team, and it goes along with sort of easing their way into the season and into games, is that different guys at different times are taking their turn making their one mistake. Well, guess what? Add it all up, and that's what will lose you a game. So is the focus there? It should be, because the urgency must be there, or this season will be over real quick. I don't care how packed in the NFC is. I don't care how few the teams there are with big winning records. Uh, you know. And yes, there's the extra wild card. I get it in a 17-game season, but you can't afford – to come out, especially at home, uh, against this team, 
and and think that you're still realistically in the playoff picture if you're on the short end this week. You lose this game, you trail by three games, but it's really four because you lose the tiebreaker. Oh, and if only yeah. one team is coming out of the NFC West, i.e. the division winner, the Cardinals cannot afford to lose this game unless you're expecting an epic collapse, i.e. what happened to the Cardinals a year ago from the Seahawks oh. here in 2022. And oh, by the way, Hard Knocks debuts on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. So guess what? And, and we've talked about this, and I'm still not sure if you agree with me or not. But from the get-go, I've been under the opinion that this is a football decision. Yeah, the marketing. Yeah, the branding. Sports is entertainment. It's good content. I get it. And there's going to be a lot of good side stories that are told about players. The reason this decision was made, I believe, was as an answer to a fade in the season the last two years running. What happened when the Colts commenced with hard knocks? Didn't they go on a run four out of five, five out of six? They were four of five. They were four and five when that first episode debuted, and they did. They went out. They lost their last two and didn't make the playoffs, and right. things went sideways. But to your point, yes, yes, they went on a run. And Steve Kimes cited that again this week on with Wolf and Luke. He cited that he talked to the GM Chris Ballard before they agreed to this deal with HBO and NFL Films and Hard Knocks. Cliff Kingsbury said he spoke with Frank Reich. So if the offseason initiative was to bring more accountability to this team, because two offseasons ago was leadership. You got J.J. Watt, you got a Rodney Hudson. I firmly believe this offseason was about accountability. What happened the end of last season? Who who exactly is culpable and what can you do to hold them responsible? Well, <laughs> you put everybody on camera and you make them own it. And it becomes not only just the team, it becomes your own personal brand that is on this product week to week. So that's my theory and philosophy. I still stand by it. Whether it has the desired effect, cause and effect here, we'll find out on Sunday. The show must go on. It's the question of what kind of a show are we all going to be watching on Wednesdays, and that's predicated on what happens on Sunday. Again, Cardinals and Seahawks, 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Cardinals looking for a season split. More importantly, just looking for a W within the NFC West. A huge game on Sunday. Paul, any, any parting words here for the Bird Gang? I have two words. Chino Smith? Those are my two words. Just the just incredulous. I mean, I'm impressed and I have a lot of respect. Is it legit? Is it for real? Can the Cardinals expose Geno Smith or at least give him a reality check to the sort of ball he's played for a good seven years plus? I'd enjoy that redemption story if he was not within the division, was not within the NFC. Otherwise, the Cardinals right. need their own redemption and hopefully it begins here in week nine. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. Geno Smith.